So what are you gonna do now? Make a million. <laughs> hey, you don't get rich giving things away. Oh, how do you get rich? I'm gonna give you your first lesson. On the house. I've been here 25 years, never bought a drink. Right, Eddie? Yeah, I can testify to that. That's your way of making money? You outwork, outthink, outscheme, and outmaneuver. You make no friends, you trust nobody, and you make damn sure you're the smartest guy in the room whenever the subject of money comes up. I don't know, Uncle Pat. Doesn't sound like too much fun to me. Fun? You want fun, you go play at the beach. And welcome to the main event. I opened up with that clip from Cocktail to tell you guys how the world works. You outwork, you outthink, you work harder than everybody else. You make sure you're the smartest one in the room when they talk about money, or or you just keep your mouth shut so you can learn from others. And uh, you know, it's I hear all this stuff going on, and then I use that uh, clip from uh, use that song, uh, "Who's They" from Chris Daughtry. Uh, if uh, of uh, of American Idol fame, because you know what? Who is they? Who is they? You know they. I could probably write another uh, another ver- couple of verses to that thing. You know, uh, they say we need we need to have free healthcare. Who's they? Who's uh? They say we should have uh free colleges. Who's they? We should have free universal basic income. We should have socialism. Who is they? They say we should. They say uh, our system doesn't work. Our our economy doesn't work for everybody. Guess what? It's not supposed to work for everybody. Everybody who wants to be better off is supposed to work within the system. Now, the system's not supposed to work. It's just supposed to provide an environment for us to work. And, uh, you know, the free market always works. The free market always works. You don't have to manipulate financing. You don't have, you know what? The cost of college, if you stop manipulating the financing of college, people will pay what college is worth. If you stop giving free, free uh, guaranteed student loans out to everybody and they don't have to pay it till they graduate, people will graduate. People will go to college and the cost of college will come down because it's just not, it's just not sign up. You know, Hey, I can't afford to go to that college. Well, Guess what? You know, you want kids to be smarter when they have to, when they have to depend. I'll tell you, I'll tell you for me, my parents were poor. My parents could not afford to send me to college. And so my only chance to go to a college beyond the basics was get good grades. And so I got good grades, hoping to get scholarships, hoping to get grants and whatever else, whatever else my sister got that, that I didn't get. Cause the one, the one year my dad made, made an okay amount of money was the year that, that they were going to qualify, whether I qualified for, for grants and that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and, uh, unfortunately, so I ended up going to Cal state long beach, although I wanted to go to UCLA. Um, I don't know what I would be today had I gone to UCLA because, uh, um, you know, I went full-time for a couple of years and part-time for a couple of years and then got 
kind of disillusioned with what college was teaching me and the whole system, the whole system and said, you know what, I don't want to be an engineer. My mom wants me to be an engineer. I just, I, I just want to work. I want to work with people and I just don't really, I'm not feeling this thing. And I found my way and, uh, you know what, that's how that's, what's my point. What's my point. My point is my point is people will work harder when they have to, if people have to have to work harder, they'll eat or they don't eat, they'll work hard. If people have to get good grades or they'll, or they don't go to college, they'll get good grades. If people, if the price of university has to be within what people can afford, the universities will drop their prices and the university presidents will make normal amounts of money. And as long as there's free, free cash coming from the taxpayers that nobody has to pay back until someday, you see what's going on today. We have colleges that don't teach anybody anything that indoctrinate our kids into being uh, liberals and teach them socialism and teach them, teach them uh, uh, various things we don't want them to know and how to be Democrats. And uh, they graduate with, with useless, useless uh, uh, degrees that make them no money. And then they can't buy houses and they can't get on with their lives. And, you know, we blame it on government. Anyway, I'm going to talk about that and a whole bunch of other stuff that I see going on in this country. And uh, try to give you guys some clear thinking, thinking uh, material to go, hmm, I hadn't thought of it that way. But first, let me introduce, introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender, located here in Southern California, lending all over the place. If you're interested in getting any, involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are fantastic opportunities that are real estate, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. Whether you want to refinance your house that you own or you want to buy a new house to live in, a new house for a vacation home or a new house to uh, uh, to to rent out or a new house to... Uh, for, get your kids out of your house because they've been there since they graduated college and can't find a can't find a job. They don't want to find a job, and they're not gonna. They're they've got too much education to uh, think of starting at the bottom somewhere. And you just want them off your kitchen, your uh, living room sofa. Call me eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. Or if you're uh, over sixty two and you want to get involved, in one of them, you want to learn more about one of them reverse mortgage things. The, the flames are, are going. The, these things are hot. The people are starting to figure out, hey, I'm not deeding my house over to the bank when I do this. Maybe I should talk to Ed. I think, uh, I think uh, there's more to learn. 855-640-2020. If you want to talk to me, but you don't want to get on the phone, you don't want me to hear your voice, or you don't want somebody else who's within earshot of you to hear your voice, go to wccloans.com, www.wccloans.com. Click on looking for a loan. Click on apply now. Put in as much information as you want me to have and tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from uh, myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Alex Rojas, Cody Bradbury, uh, Aaron Fredericks, Randy Johnson, and we will help you find the missing piece to your real estate financing puzzle. Um, if you hear something you want repeated uh, or you you miss part of the show or uh, you go, oh man, I just, I just got on and I missed half of it or I'm going to miss... Whatever, go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on podcast page. You can hear this show as well as, well as several past shows, and you can hear them on demand. You could also get the uh, podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes where you can uh, subscribe for free, have it download once a week to your, uh, your device, 
your computer, your phone, your uh, iWatch, your iPad, your mini pad, your maxi pad, your computer, whatever, whatever you listen to, uh, to, uh, podcasts on, uh, follow me on social media at Ed Hoffman is, uh, my, uh, my name on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, no numbers, just at Ed Hoffman, where I'll tweet about current events all week long. <clears throat> I like it when you comment because it tells me that I'm not getting squelched. It's not getting edited, not getting, uh, not getting shadow banned. Um, cause it, sometimes I wonder. Facebook page uh, for the main event is facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. If you want to leave some comments on the show, if I inspire you to uh, tell me off or to give me an attaboy, 855-640-2092 is the recorded line. You can uh, record your record your voice. And uh, if I get a show where I actually have uh, some extra time, I'll play it on the radio. But I like to hear, I like to hear what you think. So anyway, let's talk about uh, what's going on this week. Uh, the results are in for Beto O'Rourke's first week as a presidential candidate. Seems like he's been a candidate for months, but apparently it's just been a little over a week. Um, he raised $6.1 million on the first day, which beat out Bernie Sanders, who raised $5.9 million, and Kamala Harris, who only raised a, min- a, a minuscule $1.5 million. Where do these people come from? Where's all this money? $6.1 million. This guy is a moron. And and some of you send in there's a send in money to the tunes of six point one million. Bernie Sanders, the Democrat socialist, brought in five point nine million in a day. One and a half million to uh, Kamala Harris, also moron. I guess I guess they're all kind of morons. But anyway, uh, we'll talk about that in more detail. Uh, Beto attracted big crowds and throngs of reporters as he made estimated twenty campaign stops in Iowa. Wisconsin, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. Uh, he did a 5K St. Patrick's Day run in Iowa. Uh, I found those 5Ks are uh, are suited for tall, skinny guys um, more so than me. Um, so I don't I don't do those 5Ks anymore. Did a couple of mud runs, about killed me, um, but I did them because uh, you know somebody dared me uh, today. And I don't think I would accept the dare anyway. Uh, and he showed he showed that he's abs- has absolutely no backbone. When he apologized for a remark that he that dared to praise his wife as a primary caregiver of their children. I just got a call from my wife, Amy, who's back in El Paso, Texas, where she is raising, sometimes with my help, Ulysses, who's 12 years old, Molly, who's 10, and their little brother, Henry, who is 8 years old. I know uh, what what is what what's to apologize for what he just said. Hey, my wife is raising our kids, and sometimes I help. I always give Don the credit for raising to, for raising my kids. Okay, so everything that's good, all the all the smart stuff about them came from came from good genetics and from uh, my brain. But all their all their character, all their character um, about being good people came from their mom. And uh, and Don Don raised them right, and she kind of raised me along the way. She kept saying, "Hey, well." Uh, she she'd say, "Hey, be a dad, not their friend. Be a dad, not their friend." And uh, so I give my credit. I give credit because guess what? That's what women do. Uh, sorry to sorry to inform you guys that uh, women are born with a certain mothering quality that men don't have. I tell my tell my uh, my son when uh, when my grandkids were were born. Hey, for the first ten months, that's moms. 
about 10 months old, they start to have a little personality. They start to have a little, a little, uh, they get to where they kind of toddle around and crawl and climb up on furniture. Now they're dad's kids. Okay. So that's how I see it. So I don't see where, where, uh, where, what was wrong with anything he said, but after a few, few loud mouths on Twitter and a handful of opinion writers expressed their outrage at the supposedly sexist remark, Beto delivered this apology at some kind of a hip hop radio event. Not only will I not say that again, uh, but but I'll be much more thoughtful going forward in, in the way that um, I talk about our marriage and also the way in which I acknowledge the truth of the criticism that I have enjoyed white privilege. What? You know, oh, I got to be sensitive that I, I enjoyed white privilege. Come on. What a what a wimp. What a wimp. Okay, you may remember uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke's announcement. That's Robert Francis O'Rourke is also known as Beto. He's an uh, Irish guy that wants to sound Hispanic. Um, his his announcement last day, last week when the perplexed voters uh, in Iowa got to hear him say this. There is going to be massive migration of tens or hundreds of millions of people from countries that are literally uninhabitable or underwater that are above the sea right now. What? What? What's he talking about? And people sent in $6.1 million that day to make this guy, to help this guy become president. And before I go any further, as he tells us that 12 years from now, we're going to be, we're going to, the world's going to be over if we don't take some massive, massive, uh, massive uh, uh, movement, some massive, uh, aggressive, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I don't know, massive measures. If we don't do something, something awesome to turn this around, it's over in 12 years. How do you think eight-year-old kids feel about that? And don't, and don't say, well, you know, he's not talking to eight-year-old kids. Yes, he is. Eight-year-old kids hear everything now. Eight-year-old, I have a seven-year-old granddaughter who hears everything. She's riding in the back of, uh, of my truck with me and Don, and she's going, grandpa, pay attention to driving. Grandpa, pay, keep your keep your eyes. She understands everything. Okay, so don't so don't so. What does this do to kids? How does it, how do you think that makes kids feel? At, you know, twelve years old that think, hey, I'm never going to see twenty four. How about all those kids that went up to uh, Diane Feinstein and said, you have to do something. You have to vote for the Green New Deal. I don't know. Does anybody think about that? Him and uh, him and uh, AOC morons so as uh, as beto concluded his first week on the trail beto continued confusing americans with comments like this a backhanded compliment of capitalism i think the only way to meet some of these historic challenges is to be able to use this engine of capitalism it won't be government intervention or policy alone that makes it possible now having said that it is clearly an imperfect unfair unjust and racist capitalist economy what it's a unfair it's a racist capital capitalistic capitalistic economy come on you know what the harder you work the luckier you get the better the attitude the higher your altitude will go 
So the sound, the sound of that clip may be terrible, but guess what's worse? The unsanitary way that Beto O'Rourke delivers his campaign speeches. In nearly all of his appearances this week, the candidate presides over, over a coffee shop crowd who come to see him, by and he stands atop of the tables or the counters. At least one of the business owners who allowed, I mean, if you've seen it on TV or you've seen it on internet, he's always standing on a table and uh, and uh, holding holding the, you know, above his loyal subjects. I just can't even imagine going to see him. He's a nobody. At least one of the business owners who allowed Beto to have the event in his establishment this week uh, was annoyed at the unsanitary practice telling the Daily Beast, cafe owner to Beto, get off our counters. It seems like a photo opportunity that wasn't necessary. His feet are right by the cups. Oh, well. I just think it looks stupid. And despite the fervor, the fer- you know, you would think, you would think, Hey, I'm not above you. I'm not going to stand on the tables. You know, I just I'll be right there with the crowds. Hey, I'm talking to you guys at your level and when you want to talk if I if I was campaigning. Of course, I'm not campaigning. So, and uh, despite the fervor he drew in the midterms, remember this guy is no longer in Congress. He couldn't beat Ted Cruz and yet we're supposed to believe he's the next Barack Obama. And of course, if he is the next Barack Obama, why would anybody vote for him? <clears throat> so, some people are finally seeing through Beto O'Rourke as just another Good-looking, smooth-talking, cool guy with no ideas. Like this Pennsylvania State University student last week. Uh, Listen to his answer to her. When are we going to get an actual policy from you instead of just like platitudes and nice stories? I'm going to try to be as specific as I can. I mentioned our criminal justice system. I've called for the end of the prohibition on marijuana and the expungement of the arrest records of everyone who's been arrested for marijuana. Well, that's a good way to, that's a good platform to, to go be president because we're going to legalize some drugs. Hey, let's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm calling for the legalization of, uh, of marijuana and, uh, the, uh, and, uh, let's, uh, expunge the records of people who got drug, drug, uh, arrests. In fact, the first time our work made national headlines when he was just an El Paso city council member in 2009, he made news for sponsoring a resolution that called for an honest, open national debate on ending the prohibition of narcotics. Also, you know, all the same thing as legalizing drugs. Then in uh then some rich Democrat donors in Texas decided that alone qualified him to run for Congress in 2010, uh, which he did. And uh, here we are today. So sounds like uh, what's the guy's name? Gary Johnson in uh, used to be the uh, the uh, uh, governor of New Mexico. He's run. He's run on the legalized marijuana platform for for president a few times. I think our uh, candidate for uh, for governor this last time, John Cox, was a supporter of him. I don't know. I just pay attention. I don't. Uh, I don't know everything, but I do pay attention, so I know a lot of things. So uh, then, then here's Beto's criminal past, which for some reason always a big deal if you're a Republican, but if you're super cool if you're a Democrat. So in 1998, O'Rourke was involved in a drunk driving episode. So in 1998, he was 26, which makes him. Uh, uh, born in 1972. So, uh, and so in 1998, O'Rourke was involved in a drunk driving episode in which he crashed into another vehicle and sought to flee, uh, also known as uh, hit and run, except for when you're drunk, it's worse, uh, according to police reports at that time. Though his DUI arrest was, has long been publicly known, even the Washington Post, about as liberal as they get, reported that the episode was more serious than detailed in previous media accounts. 26 year old at 26 years old at the time O'Rourke was driving drunk at a high rate of speed in a 75 mile an hour zone so if he's in a 75 mile an hour zone he's driving at a high rate of speed does that mean he's doing 85 90 I don't know 
So he's in a uh, he's in a 75 mile an hour zone, exceeding speed limits when he lost control of his Volvo and hit a car or hit a truck. Uh, I don't want to be I don't want to be judgmental on people that drive Volvos, but if you're a cool looking guy and you're 26 years old and you're driving a Volvo, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe it's just me, but that just takes some of the cool out of it. Uh, so anyway, the impact sent O'Rourke's car across the center divider where it, became, where it came to a complete stop. Then, according to the witnesses, he attempted to leave the scene unsuccessfully. He was arrested and charged with DUI, which was dismissed after he completed a court-ordered diversion program. Uh, Beto also was arrested four years earlier, so when he was 22, in 1995. We'll see, four years earlier in 1995 from 1998. Maybe it was three and a half years earlier. So uh, he was charged with burglary. But don't every don't don't worry, everyone. He just tripped an alarm while innocently jumping a fence at the University of Texas El Paso. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. He's the, he doesn't sound guilty just jumping a fence. Oh wait, they have fences keep people out at the University of Texas. Okay, I'll continue. Then there's a super cool time as an '80s teenager hacker. In the group, in a group called Cult of the Dead Cow, which has been called the precursor to major hacking groups like Anonymous. So you know these groups that go out there and hack everybody and send uh, send viruses into your account and just just mess with uh, your computer for no reason because it's fun. O'Rourke wrote essays and poems for the group under the handle Psychedelic Warlord, and one of these stories was a murder fantasy where the narrator drove over the kids in the street. Uh, yes, that's that's really true. And uh, then I saw I saw on the internet the other day, and I was wondering if this was really true because I thought maybe this was really Beto reading it, but it's not. It's from the Daily Caller. But apparently, after uh, doing some investigation, uh, this is true. Here's a poem. Here's a poem uh, narrated by somebody uh, in or in, in a uh, or uh, a re- read by somebody by the Daily Caller, um, and this is in fact a poem that Beto O'Rourke wrote. And now an original poem by Beto O'Rourke. I need a butt shine right now. You are holy, O sacred cow. I thirst for you. Provide milk. Buff my butts. Love the cow. Good fortune for those that do. Love me. Breathe my feet. The cow has risen. Wax my ass. Scrub my butt. The cow has risen, provide milk. Oh, milky wonder, sing for us once more. Live your life, everlasting joy. Thrust your hooves up my analytic passage. Enjoy my fruits. Provider of cheese and other wonderful dairy products, we will cleanse the inner intestines. We will bathe in your pungent odor. Gather cotton, count my eyes, smell my skin, love the scarecrow and the milkman. I live only for eternity, thirst for the undrinkable. Hold the heat, praise the doughboy at the pizza shop, love the oxen dung. Can I go now? That was an original poem. By Beto O'Rourke. Come on. People want him to be president? You must be joking. You must be joking. You know, if you if you uh if you uh 
if you go back into my past, you'll you'll see I wrote a I wrote a big uh, a big report on the state of Alaska in third grade, and uh, I had maps and stuff in it. And if you go into my junior high school and high school days, um, I wrote some songs and I played them. I played them on stage at some event in my senior year of high school. Um, one was about a hitchhiker, and I don't remember what the other ones were. Um, but that hitchhiker one seemed to be popular with uh, people who who knew me. And uh, you know, I thought I was going to be a rock and roller someday. I was writing songs, but you know what? I guarantee you, I didn't do anything that I would that would embarrass me today. I mean, you might not like my singing and you might not like my, my song, but it wasn't talking about scrub my and wax my and. Okay, guys, you guys have you guys have a choice. Here's a guy who might uh, might be interested in being president. Maybe you want to vote for him. Maybe we want to move to another country. Hey, anyway, uh, we're out of time for part one of the main event. So uh, stay tuned for five minutes. Weather, traffic, news, and sports, and I'll be right back with part two. Don't go away. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I don't talk a lot about real estate finance or real estate on the on the radio because I think you guys think it's uh, boring. Um, but if you're in the, unless you're in the market, but if you are in the market and you want to deal with someone who thinks like you, if you listen to part one and you're still listening, you must think like me, then, uh, if you're ready to, to, uh, get involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, you need financing. Call me toll free area code 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020 or go to wccloans.com and, uh, I'll help you, uh, dial your, dial you in. So in the first half we were talking about Beto, Beto, and uh, the 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 things that people will send money into, things that people will send money into. I, I you know it's it's amazing to me. We have a, a nonprofit organization called WCC Charities that we have done a lot of fundraising for in the last few years, uh, mostly for veteran veteran stuff, and uh, it's amazing to me for good for good. Um, for good, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? For good causes, like we donated a hundred thousand dollars to help a uh, uh, the 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 remodel of a of a smart home, turning a house into a smart home with the Gary Sinise Foundation for a triple amputee um, in uh, San Diego. To have that, we donated. We raised money to raise a hundred thousand dollars for that. We uh, we donated some track chairs to some veterans through the Independence Fund. We remodeled the VFW. We uh, we play Santa Claus for a uh, for a local uh, um, for a local uh, foster care agency every every year for you know 100, 150 kids, and uh, and it's it's amazing how you pull money out of people for good causes, but a guy like Beto gets six million dollars in one day. This country's in bad shape, folks. This country's in bad shape, so we got to change the way we think. So <clears throat> let's uh, let's continue. You know, if uh, if uh, the the Dem- the Democrats seem to this is their their new uh, platform is they want to change everything about. You know, if the federal law or some part of the U.S. Constitution stops working for the Democrats, they have one strategy and one strategy only to fall back on: tell everyone it needs to be eradicated, or else American life as we know it will cease to exist. Problem solved. So. 
This week, multiple Democrat candidates for the 2020 election did exactly that by proposing the removal of fundamental pillars of our democracy simply because those things no longer work in their favor. First was the Supreme Court. Are you frustrated because Republican president has been able to to appoint two conservative judges to the court in his first two years? No problem. We'll just tell America it's time to change the way justices are appointed. It's only fair. Once again, here's Beto O'Rourke. There were five justices selected by Democrats, five justices selected by Republicans, and those 10 then picked five more justices independent of those who chose the first 10. So for all these years, we've had nine justices, and I think the fact that it's a uneven number is on purpose so that we won't have ties all the time. So, uh, so you got an uneven number and you know, it's, so there's no way, no matter if there's conservative or, or liberal judges, there's going to be an uneven number and it's, and they're going to, they're going to come to decisions. Um, Cory Booker, who, who will, uh, never be president now, sorry, uh, has an answer ready to go on this one as well. PMSNBC's Chris Chris Matthews ask, asking Booker, Eric Holder, Obama's attorney general, is talking about expanding the number of justices beyond nine to get more progressives on the court. Where's Cory Booker on that? Eric Holder, the former AG, is talking about expanding the number of people in the United States Supreme Court beyond nine to get more progressives on there. Where are you on that? Um, I, I think we need to fix the Supreme Court. I think they stole the Supreme Court seat. Can we keep it at nine? Should we keep it at nine? I, I think I would like to start exploring a lot of options and we should have a national conversation. Term limits for Supreme Court justices might be one thing to give every president the ability to choose three. Well, there's there there we have it. Some more some more choices to change the, the Supreme Court. As if that was the only thing they want to change. So uh, so we've got Beto O'Rourke saying there should be 10 justices, five chosen by Democrats, five by Republicans, and another five chosen by the first 10. 15 justices. Uh, where will that leave us? Well, leave us uh, more. Cl- that'll be leave us six closer to a majority rule. Um, do we have 15 extra smart legal minds in this country? Um, it's hard enough to get to get any one of them passed. Uh, then we've got Cory Booker saying we need term limits for justice, which will somehow give every president the ability to choose three. Okay. What does Elizabeth Warren say on it? Sounds like she would do anything it takes to make sure Democrats can pick judges, no matter who the president is. First, they steal a Supreme Court seat. Then they turn around and change the rules on filibuster yeah. on a Supreme Court seat. And so... When it swings back around to us, what are we going to do? And my answer on that is all the options are on the table. Well, you know, they keep saying that we stole Supreme Court seats because you realize that uh, um, uh, Obama um, nominated uh, Merrick Garland in his in the last, I don't know, eight months or of his presidency. And uh, Mitch McConnell wouldn't put it up for a vote because, hey, in, a, in an election year, in an election year, it's it's traditional, and I think it's happened once or twice in the past where we don't we don't allow we don't vote on um, the the exiting president's nominees. We wait for the hey we're a few months from electing a new president. Let's let the new administration elect their nominee. So they didn't never put Merrick Garland Garland up to vote, and they waited. and And I think a lot of people, including uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, were expecting that um, that. Hillary Clinton would have been president and she put off, she put off retiring in the Obama years because she didn't want Obama to fit, to pick her, her replacement, um, thinking Hillary Clinton would. And now she's, now she's fighting to say, Hey, I got to stay in here until Trump's out because I don't want 
I certainly don't want Trump to do it. So, uh, but she thought she thought anyway. That's that's how it is. So, um, so the Supreme Court wasn't the only thing Democrats are crying for change on this. Uh, naturally, they want to change the Electoral College. I think we all know why. Once again, here's Liz Warren. My view is that every vote matters, and the way we can make that happen. is that we can have national voting and that means get rid of the electoral college and everybody yeah and here's uh here's the last time you're gonna hear beto o'rourke today here's uh here's what beto said about this getting rid of the electoral college is that an idea that you're supporting I think there's there's a lot to that um, because you had an election in 2016 where the loser got three million more votes than the victor. So I, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Well, you know, I got I got a, a couple of thoughts on this. Number one, the electoral college was was created so that a couple of states wouldn't control the whole uh, wouldn't control the the entire uh, direction of the country because you got states like New York and, and states like California that have all the have all the population had there they're a lot more crowded you got a lot more people and if you look at new york and california that's where all the votes come from so if you have and when you look at trump versus hillary hillary got three million more votes if you take california out of it then then trump got three million more votes it's just people in california took it over and here's my other thought um my other thought is that if you change the rules if you change the rules of the elections, people will act different. And you saw that Trump Trump tried to campaign in California a couple of times, and he wasn't very successful because they uh, um, they had protests and riots and all kinds of stuff. But uh, he for for the amount of votes there are in California, um, he basically ignored it, ignored it because typically his chances of winning winning in California are are slim. But do you think if it was a if it was a if it was a national um, popular election popular vote that he wouldn't have been spending more time here uh, pressing pressing the flesh meeting people having people get a chance to listen to him up front and maybe meeting him and maybe campaigning towards towards uh, acting like he cared about California I think uh, I think if you change the rules you'll see see different strategies and. Uh, then they'll think of some other reason why they don't, why why the why the system doesn't work for them. We haven't heard from Kamala Harris in a, in a while. Quick, Jimmy Kimmel, help Kamala Harris back on the headlines by asking her about the Electoral College. Senator Warren, Elizabeth Warren, had a town hall last night, and she said that she thinks we should do away with the Electoral College. Is yeah. that? Do you agree with that? I think that it's I'm open to the discussion. I mean, there's no question that um, the popular vote has been diminished in terms of making the final decision about who's the president of the United States, and we need to deal with that. Well, you know what? I'll also point out one other thing: the electoral college has gotten has has uh, has conflicted with the popular vote three times to my to my knowledge. The first time was for uh, the election of Abraham Lincoln in uh, eighteen sixty something, and uh, or eighteen fifty eight or eighteen sixty, and uh, the second time was uh, George W. Bush, and uh, third time was Donald J. Trump. So, 
All the other times it works just fine, and the few times that it's done, we got some pretty darn good good presidents out of it. So uh, maybe there's a reason for that. And who invented this? Oh, yeah, the same guys that wrote the Constitution. So we'll see. And although she isn't a candidate for president, Speaker Nancy Pelosi felt the need to chime in on something she would change, too. It's a, it's a good one, the legal age to vote. As if 18-year-olds aren't clueless enough. When it comes to educating themselves before voting, Nancy wants to, us to lower it to voting age to 16. Come on! I myself have always been for lowering the, vote, the voting age to 16. I think it's really important to capture kids when they're in high school, when they're interested in all of this, when they're learning about government to be able to vote. Hey, I got news for you, Nancy. Uh, kids at 16 are learning about government, but they're just trying to pass a test. They're not interested in it. They're not interested at all. They're interested, uh, the girls are interested in the guys, and the guys are interested in the girls, and they're trying to get into college because that's what we tell them is they need to. And uh, other than that, they're uh, going to football games and and uh, they're partying and having fun and uh, doing what kids do. They don't care. But, you know, most most kids, you know, they, there's a saying that says if you're, if you're, uh, if you're, when you start out, when you start out, if if you're uh, if you're not a Democrat, you don't have a heart. But then, as we get older and find out how the world works, it's if you are a Democrat, you don't have a brain. So uh, so the different way of thinking. So you really want to get them voting when they're 16, when when they're in the first in the first uh, uh, in the first uh, team there in the first group, and uh, that would ensure that Democrats win every every election. So, and finally, Democrats have one more thing they think they can change simply by passing a law, actually American history. That was evidence this week when uh, three of the candidates called for a mathematically impossible idea of paying reparations to African Americans for slavery. It started with one candidate who nobody asked to run for president, Julian Castro. This country should address uh, slavery, the original sin of slavery, including by looking at reparations. Why wouldn't you compensate people? who actually were property. Well, the reason that you wouldn't compensate people that actually were property, because uh, number one, they're all dead, because slavery was uh, abolished in 1865, which was a long time ago. I don't think we have anybody that's been uh, alive for uh, 250 years, uh, 249 years, uh, whatever it is. I don't know if my math is right, um, because I'm just didn't write it down. Um, but here, here's an, here's another shocker. Hey, if you're going to, if you're going to compensate, uh, give reparations to everybody who was slaves. Remember that there were a lot of slave owners that were black too. And there was a lot of slaves that were white. We just didn't call them slaves. We called them indentured servants. And it was mostly people from, uh, Europe, Ireland, uh, because they weren't, they weren't, uh, looked at as, as real, uh, real happy, uh, happy, happy to come over, happy to bring a, Bring all the people out there. If you watch the movie uh, uh, Gangs of New York, you get a little piece of that. Um, but the uh, um, there's a lot of other people besides black people that were slaves. And there's a lot of people that, that would get at reparations. But they're all dead. So let's get on with our lives. So almost immediately after, uh, after uh, Julian Castro made that comment, uh, Elizabeth Warren ran with it too. America was founded on principles of liberty and freedom and on the backs of slave labor. This is a stain on America. It's time to start the national, full-blown conversation about reparations in this country. 
yeah, we should play that clip from the beginning of the show. You outwork, you outthink. You know, you wanna you wanna get ahead in this life. Outwork, outthink. Be the smartest one in the room when they're talking about money. And I added this part. If you're in the room and you're not the smartest one, uh, just be quiet and and listen and learn. So uh, next the next uh, the next thing that happened this week was uh, conv- uh, the we're fighting about uh, we're fighting against attacks on conservative speech on our on our college universities. Conservative voices have been the target of attacks on free speech for years. But at least one of the battlegrounds where the president will fight those attacks is the American college campuses. President Trump on Thursday signed an executive order to promote free speech on campuses by threatening colleges with the loss of federal research funding if they don't protect those rights. The order directs 12 grant-making agencies to use their authority in coordination with the White House of Office of Management and Budget to ensure institutions that receive federal research or education grants promote free speech and free, free inquiry. White House officials have said it will apply apply to more than $35 billion in grants. I don't know. You guys want to uh, not not support free speech? You don't get this money. I bet you this will work. Public universities seeking funding would have to certify they comply with the First Amendment, which already applies to them. Private universities, which have more flexibility and limiting, limiting speech, would need to control uh, would would need to commit to their own institutional rules. Flanked by conservative college activists at White House, here is President on Thursday. We're here to take historic action to defend American students and American values. They've been under siege. Under the guise of speech codes and safe spaces and trigger warnings, these universities have tried to restrict Free thought imposed total conformity and shut down the voices of great young Americans like those here today. If a college or university doesn't allow you to speak, we will not give them money. Yeah, I think that would probably uh, solve the problem. So good job, uh, President Trump. Um, you know, some of the people that I've had have had to deal with this Ben Shapiro, who used to be on this station. You see him on Fox all the time. You got the Ben Shapiro show on online he's probably uh the most intelligent uh, he's probably what 32 now when i met him he was 28 i just go how do you have that much that much brain power that you can let your mouth you can let your mouth talk that fast and still keep up with you and your brain still keeps up so it's intelligent this guy this guy's a whiz kid uh and he's brilliant um you got uh, ann coulter you got uh, andrew breitbart when he was alive and people from his organization and dinesh d'souza been been uh, kept out of talking at, at colleges because we just don't want to hear them. Meanwhile, I've got at least one California congressman who's not afraid to hold social media networks accountable for silencing conservatives and allowing them to be the target of unfettered attacks. Republican Devin Nunes, the rep- ranking Republican on the House Intelligence Committee and number one foe of Adam Schiff, our favorite uh, our favorite congressman in, uh, or our least favorite congressman in Burbank, uh, the ranking Democrat is suing Twitter and several of its users for more than 250 million, according to them, according, accusing them of defamation and negligence. The defendants include two anonymous parody accounts. Uh, one account's called Devin Nunes's mom, and the other one's Devin Nunes's cow. So he's uh, suing them for defamation of character. The suit filed in Virginia accuses Twitter of knowingly hosting and monetizing content that is clearly abusive, hateful, and defamatory. And of censoring viewpoints with 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 which it disagrees and shadow banning conservatives. Here's uh, Nunez on his lawsuit. 
This was an orchestrated effort. Uh, so people were targeting me. There were anonymous accounts that were that were developed. And look, there's not supposed to be these accounts aren't supposed to exist. How is it that every day uh, there's conservatives that are being banned? They should come clean. Give us all your algorithms. This is more than just conservatives. Every American should care about this if they care about the First Amendment. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm on with this with this thing. I'm you know, I'm I think about this, that so many Americans today get their news from social media. So many young people, they, they don't they don't watch the news. They don't really pay attention. They don't read newspapers. Um, they really don't even look stuff up on the Internet. All they look at is Facebook. And so Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, um, you have you have people putting out their opinions there, and some of them are valid, and some of them are just are just gobbledygook. So that some of it is just you know idiocy. You know, the, what are you thinking? There's no there's no rhyme or reason, and some of it's just flat out lies. So uh, apparently the liberal the liberal stuff's getting through, and the and the uh, conservative counterpoints that are out there are being are being are being banned. So they're you know you're you're tweeting things and and you think it's getting to ten thousand people and it's really not, and uh, it's really not getting out there and people aren't seeing it and uh, we don't know but they're uh, but they're controlling what people see. So you got so many people that that's the only source for their for their um, information and Google, Twitter, Facebook they're they're deciding what gets through and what doesn't. So it's uh it's it's bad. It's bad. Something needs to something needs to be uh, done, and I uh, I applaud Devin Nunes for doing this. Uh, and then the media bias this this week seems to be on uh, steroids. Meanwhile, traditional media is in overdrive on liberal bias, and some of its pioneers are finally starting to take notice. Ted Koppel, legendary journalist who was the original host of ABC's Nightline, was has been retired since 2005, and he admits that some of the biggest changes in the news game are not necessarily for the better. I'm terribly concerned that when you talk about the New York Times these days, when you talk about the Washington Post these days, we're not talking about the New York Times of 50 years ago. We are not talking about the Washington Post of 50 years ago. We're talking about organizations that I believe have in fact decided as organizations that Donald J. Trump is bad for the United States. Yeah, you know, that should be left to the individual to decide if Donald J. Trump is bad for the United States. And the and the news the news people should be unbiased and report the news and not give the the commentary and or censor what people are hearing. Obviously, we all remember the school shooting in Parkland, Florida last year and the cries for gun control that ensued. You probably remember the that a few of the students at Stoneman Douglas High School ended up becoming professional and famous gun control activists as a result. But you remember how that happened? One of the one of the catalysts was CNN Town Hall uh, that was days after the shooting. Remember, this is where several students lashed out at NRA spokesman Dana Lash and uh, Senator Marco Rubio and Parkland Sheriff Scott Israel, who did absolutely nothing to save the lives of 17 kids and kept his deputies from entering the building. And he was allowed to campaign for his re-election during the event. Uh, well, that town hall has now won a Walter Cronkite Award for Excellence in Journalism. Also a legendary journalist from the same unbiased news area, Ted Koppel. I'm sure uh, I'm sure Cronkite, who died in 2009, would be thrilled to see his name exploited for political purposes. Um, 
he here's a reminder of what went down at that at that award-winning CNN town hall last year. What you're asking about is the assault weapons ban. Yes. yes, sir. So let me be honest with you about that one. If I believed that that law would have prevented this from happening, I would support it. But I want to explain to you why it would not. Can you tell me right now that you will not accept a single donation from the NRA in the future? I wish the NRA lady I, I could have talked to because I would ask her how she can look in the mirror considering the fact that she has children. Let me answer the question. Let me answer the question. You can shout me down when I'm finished, but let me answer Emma's question. I would have done everything in my power to prevent that. You just told this group of people that you are standing up for them. You're not standing up for them until you say, I want less yeah, people are uh, people were pretty crazy there about uh, banning banning guns to get rid of uh, to uh, stop that event. You know what? You know what the problem is? Is schools are gun free zones, and that's where people that want to kill people go because there's gun free zones. You want to stop it? Put armed guards there and arm some of the teachers uh, that have the the uh, ability to operate a, operate a gun. Also, just on that same subject, uh, remember the massacre in New Zealand uh, of a, of a Muslim mosque. 49 Muslim people killed last week. Since since that time, uh, they've blamed everybody from Donald Trump to assault weapons, and now New Zealand has outlawed assault weapons. And uh, and then apparently they came up with a they found a 75 page manifesto from the guy who actually committed the murders. And uh, apparently he's a liberal. I go into more detail on that, except for I'm out of time for this episode of the main event. So everybody, I'm Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event, and I'll be back again with you next week. Views expressed on this program are of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747, NMLS 9873, and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB number 0937346.